When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. In today's podcast, I interview Max Lujavir, a New York Times bestselling author, top health podcaster, who's regularly featured on Dr. Oz and Rachel Ray. In 2020, as many as 5.8 million Americans were living with Alzheimer's disease, and Max saw these degenerative impacts firsthand when his mother was diagnosed with dementia at the age of 58. He spent countless doctor's appointments by her side and deduced that you don't need to wait until your memory fails to start preserving it. So we talk about his new book called The Genius Kitchen, where Max talks a lot about the best way to stock your fridge and pantry to boost brain health how to incorporate moderation into your lifestyle to mitigate risk of Alzheimer's, how to strategically meal plan to eat in a more holistic way, and how to healthfully cook for friends and family now that we're congregating again. And just to remind you, if you want to listen to my podcasts ad-free with bonus content and live Q&As, then subscribe to my Patreon account. The link and details will be in the show notes. And as always, this podcast is for educational purposes and not medical advice. If you need medical advice, please contact the appropriate medical professional. And now, on to today's podcast. What's been happening between between writing books and, well, I suppose you've been busy writing a book so <laughs> and doing everything that you do do. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Leaf. I have been just busy, you know. I mean, my, my, my passion is, is helping people separate fact from fiction with regard to nutrition and lifestyle and and shining a light really to expose the areas where we do have agency when it comes to procuring a longer health span and a longer lifespan and my new book genius kitchen it's been a labor of love because i love to cook and you know i've been in this world now for the for the better part of the past decade. And it really was, it was a fun challenge to distill all of my dietary recommendations that I've made over the years and also where my views on nutrition has evolved into, into recipes, into practical, actionable, achievable recipes for people to make that are delicious and involve ingredients that are easy to find and, and, and low cost. So yeah, it's just been, it's just been, it's been, it's been very fun. It's been an exciting journey, hasn't it? And, you know, your journey began right back, I remember the very first interview I did with you, you were telling me about your mom, you're very inspired about your mom and the dementia she went through. And you really focused on, you know, the degenerative, if I look at your, just the, the, the sort of motivation behind what you do, yeah. you want to help people prevent Alzheimer's and you see diet as being a massive component of that. Obviously, it's not the only factor. I mean, there's so many things. It's just our perspective of Alzheimer's. I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Max, but just worrying about getting Alzheimer's can increase your chance of getting Alzheimer's by 63% in that region, which is crazy. So, But you bring to the table very practical solutions of how to feed our brain and our body to help with the prevention and was very motivated by your mom's experience. So do you want to just remind my listeners and for those that are new listeners or haven't heard you before about, you know, what's your little bit of your background story and 
how you ended up getting into this and how you've now transitioned over into making us recipes, which I'm super excited about. I started college on a pre-med track. I, I was always very interested for as long as I can remember in nutrition and fitness. And I started college as a biology major. And then I ended up halfway through college realizing that I also love storytelling and creativity and also the way that my brain works. Dr. Leaf, it's sort of like a light switch. Like I'm either obsessively interested in a topic or I can't sit still and focus for even a minute. And so that led to my academic career. It, it, that doesn't lead. Well, we'll just we'll just say it doesn't make things easy when you're in the sort of one size fits all education paradigm of um, the mainstream university environment. So I ended up getting A's in all of my science classes, but the classes that most of my peers would take to get easy A's, I would end up getting D's in because I just wasn't interested interested in the topic. So. So the, the, that, the, the confluence of those factors led to me pivoting out of the, the medical school route because I just didn't think that, that I would be happy doing that, nor would I be competitive. And so I ended up going into documentary filmmaking and psychology, and that led to me becoming a journalist out of college. And I did that in the United States for a TV network that was in 100 million homes for six years. And I was a generalist in my, in my role at that TV network. I got to learn about you know, the, the various tools that are at one's disposal to investigate a given topic. And, and of course I had this passion for health science in my back pocket. And I was, I, I sort of covered topics that were in that realm from time to time, as often as I could. After I left that job, it was then in my personal life that my mom, who was 58 at the time, That's started the to age sh- I'm at now. That's the age you're at now. Yeah. I would never have guessed that, by the way. But no, she was she was very very. I mean, fifty eight is very young, and and yeah, and and you're still in in what anybody would describe as the prime of life. And my mom at that point started to show these very strange symptoms, and I had no prior family history of any kind of neurodegenerative disease. Dementia wasn't in my lexicon, and and so it, it took me and my family completely. It caught us completely off guard, and so. Because I'm the oldest in a very small small family, I have two younger siblings, and I've I'd always had this passion for health science, and I was an investigator of sorts, given my career, I started going with my mom to doctor's appointments. And we started in New York, and in every instance, I was met with what I've come to call diagnose and adios, where a physician would give their take on what it was that my mom was experiencing, in fact, early on, she was diagnosed with depression. One psychiatrist that she saw thought all of her symptoms were, were attributable to depression. Because as you know, certain, I mean, severe depression can, can elicit symptoms that are suggestive of a form of dementia called pseudodementia. But it wasn't until the Cleveland Clinic, where we went in Cleveland, Ohio, which is known for taking on very complex medical cases, that it turned out that my mom... Heard the primary issue was not depression, but it was a, a rare form of dementia. And she was then prescribed drugs for both Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's disease. And that was like a, a, a Hiroshima bomb going off in my world. Like I, from one moment to the next, I mean, I, I, I became fixated on trying to understand why this would have happened to her. What, if anything, was out there that could potentially provide a disease-modifying effect and in tandem with that, because I now realized, I realized at that point that I, that I had a risk factor, right, for dementia. I could very well develop what it was that my mom had manifested. I became interested in prevention. And I discovered that changes begin in the brain decades before the first symptom of memory loss. And so for me, this became a topic 
that younger people needed to be talking about and nobody was at the time. So I took it upon myself to learn everything that I possibly could and to speak to the top experts in the world on this topic and to do my own research and looking into what's called the primary literature. And that was a journey that began about 10 years ago and continues to this day, day and will continue for the rest of my life because my mom's life was incredibly tragic. And, and so looking retrospectively at how she lived and her, her, her dietary habits, her lifestyle proclivities to try to piece together what might have predisposed her to this, this form of dementia that, that ultimately ravaged her. And it was quite fast, wasn't it? It wasn't a slow process. It was very, um, well, it was, she had it for eight years and then she in over Labor Day of 2018 was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So the, I mean, so the, the, the story just gets like, you Worse. know, mm-hmm. yeah. And my mom abided by the guidelines for all intents and purposes. It was, she, she was a, she was very privileged in the sense that she, as I mentioned, we were from, I'm from New York. And so we had access to healthful food and she tried to live a healthy lifestyle in accordance with what the mainstream media told her about what it meant to be healthy. And so. Sorry about that. It's hard that you've, I'm so sorry you went through that. It's, it's terrible. My mom has, is 86 and she's been diagnosed with Parkinson's and, you know, she's 86 and your mom was 58 and it's, it's just really hard. It's like, it's, it's, yeah, it's really hard when you, and I'm in the field, you know, and you think, and there's just so little that they can do at the moment. There's, you know, things that I, I, I can relate to. It's never, it's your, your experience is unique to you, but I can relate to the drive that you have to try and understand more. And I thank you for that because your work is definitely going to help so many people. You have a personal stake in this thing and it's, and it's a field that so many people are researching and everything is contributing to our understanding of how to look after ourselves. And the more of us that are doing different work in these areas and improving lifestyles, the better the better we're going to, the healthier we will become in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. You know, 90% of what we know about Alzheimer's disease, which is only the most common form of dementia. So it affects, it's, 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 the, it's the one for which there is the most research, but it's mm-hmm. not the only form of dementia. Exactly. 90% of what we know about that condition has been discovered only in the past 15 years or so. And this is one of the reasons I why know, there's this. I've been this... in the field. is like, makes it, I think what, what I was trained and what's out there now is just, yeah, and even what's still coming. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And there's this cold joke that circulated amongst neurology residents, I've learned, and that's neurologists don't treat disease, they admire it. And that's because the tools to treat these kinds of conditions have been so, and continue to be so limited. 99.6% of Alzheimer's drug trials fail. And so that's why when I discovered that early on in, in my journey, I mean, those were the inciting incidents that that really served as my call to action to investigate further. And I also learned that it takes on average 17 years for what's discovered in the in 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 science to be translated into the clinic. And so for me, that was not time that we had to waste. I needed to act. And it turns out that there's a lot that we can do that, that, that can shield our brains as we age to improve our odds, to minimize our risk for conditions like dementia and specifically with regard to Alzheimer's disease. And there are also ways that we can improve our metabolic health, which we know plays a role in our cognitive function today. There's this burgeoning field that's being referred to as nutritional psychiatry, which is showing us the same steps that we can take to batten down the hatches and preserve our cognitive health 
tomorrow and decades into the future also improve our mental health today, which I think is such an incredible value add for people who are struggling with anxiety and depression. And so to me, that was the, that was the, that really was the motivating force to write my first book, which really under one hood puts everything that we know about dementia prevention, which is this relatively new field. But now, you know, thanks to a number of really important trials, seminal trials that have come out that I can talk about, we do have a roadmap in terms of how we might live and how we might eat to drastically reduce our risk for dementia. And then we also have insight into the same variables that fall within our control, right? Our diets and our lifestyles and how that affects our mood. So yeah, it's, it's super exciting research. Seed's daily Symbiotic is a pre- and probiotic two-in-one capsule that supports your gut health, skin, health, and so much more. There are 24 clinically and scientifically studied strains, the first of its kind, not to mention they're sustainably delivered every month. In your first purchase, you'll get a glass jar that is infinitely refillable. Your monthly refills are delivered in compostable, biodegradable, and recyclable packaging. After taking Seed for a couple of months, my body feels great. Seed is whole body experience as it supports ease of bloating and healthy regularity, but it also supports heart health and smooth, clear skin. Get 15% of your first month's supply of Seed's daily symbiotic by visiting seed.com forward slash Dr. Leaf or by using the code Dr. Leaf at checkout. The link and details will be in the show notes. It's super exciting. Maybe you could give it just to highlight a couple of those in terms of the different areas that they look at, because you're quite right. I mean, I've been in this country 14 years. I've been in the field 38. And what I was trained in 38 years ago, compared to the next landmark time in my life, which was when I came to this country, to where we're at now. I remember doing conferences in 14 years ago where I would sit and hear these neurologists and talk about Alzheimer's and MDs talk about Alzheimer's. And I'd stand up and say, I think there's another side to the story. This is a thought there's a massive thought component here that we're not even considering. And now we know 15 years later, where you, as you mentioned, with this massive stuff that's happened in the last 15 years, that there is, it, it's massively to do with our lifestyle. And, you know, it's not just this, they've been searching just for the gene. And if you've got that gene, well, that's, you know, that whole biological model, which is part of it, but it's definitely not the answer because it hasn't solved the problem. So it's the, it, it appears the effects we're seeing in the brain. And I'd, I'd love your opinion on this in Alzheimer's and dementias is more lifestyle-related than there's a genetic weakness. And sure, we know that there's the gene and we know that there's certain proclivities and things like that, but it seems that the activation of the, of the genetic response is only part of the story. And it's, you know, what activates the response and what's the environment and what can we do and all those kind of things. And that's why I love what you do because you do bring to the table a very easy and easy and easily understandable and easily applicable way of starting to deal with this. So jump in with a couple of studies maybe or yeah, however you want to take that, that sort of, I laid a little foundation there for you to dive deeper. Thank you for that, Dr. Leaf. Yeah, it is important to talk about genes. So genes load the gun, but it's your diet and lifestyle that pull the trigger. Yeah, and we would, greatest statement. One of the greatest statements that we hear, and it's, it's so real. It's so real, yeah. So the most well-defined Alzheimer's risk gene is, is known as the APOE4 allele. It's a polymorphism that about one in four people carry. And depending on how many copies you carry, either one or two copies, you, your risk for developing Alzheimer's disease increases anywhere between two and 14-fold. And it also seems to put carriers at risk for an increased risk for cardiovascular disease as well. However, risk when you say the word risk, what that implies is correlation. So it's not causal. Causation, yeah. 
Right. It, it applies. It implies that there's a correlation between carriers of that gene and increased tendency to develop these conditions, right? And that's here in the United States where that research is done. But if you look to other parts of the world where this, the frequency of that gene is just as high as it is here in the United States, where the food supply is perhaps less industrialized and their lifestyles are different, they have more activity, they have tighter social bonds, you see that that genetic risk factor is not related to Alzheimer's disease at all, or at least the the relationship that it has is, is strongly attenuated. You can look to people of different ethnic origin. There was a study that just came out showing that people of Native American descent that carry the APOE4 allele, the APOE4 allele has no bearing on one's risk for Alzheimer's disease in that population. And so that's attributable to something that we call polygenic risk. And we're just at the tip, tip, tippy top of the iceberg in terms of unraveling how different genes affect our tendency towards these conditions. But all that is to say that you may have genes unbeknownst to science that are negating the effect of that gene. So genes are not destiny is the, exactly, is the point. Exactly. They, they're not your destiny. Thank you for saying that statement because it's just so true because there's new research on the fibril, the, 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 the plaques and the, fibr, the, the fibrillary tangles and things that show a whole different story too. You know, so there's just every day there's more research coming out and everything seems to be pointing in the direction of lifestyle. Absolutely. So when it comes to lifestyle, I mean, there are different variables. And I guess under the bucket of lifestyle, we can put diet. But we know that, for example, exercise is one of the most powerful ways of promoting the characteristic known as neuroplasticity. So making sure that your brain continues to grow healthy new brain cells in the, in the more vulnerable region, regions of the brain, I might add, like the hippocampus. We know that that's possible and that exercise is one of the most powerful stimulus stimuli to, to encourage your brain to create new cells. We know that when you sleep, which is another important lifestyle factor, that when you sleep, your brain is cleansing itself of proteins like amyloid beta and tau. These are the same exact proteins that clump to a pathogenic degree in conditions like Alzheimer's disease. And sleep is essentially you're giving your brain a free car wash every single night. We know that diet plays an important role. When you exercise and you, again, stimulate the growth of new brain cells, your brain can't create something from nothing. So you, the, the responsibility is on you to provide your brain with the raw materials that it can use to create those new cells. And in particular, we know that we need omega-3 fatty acids preformed in their preformed state. People differ in their ability to convert the plant-based forms of omega-3s. The, the, the primary plant-based form of omega-3 is alpha-linolenic acid. And people, depending on gender, depending on ethnic background, depending on age, vary, and depending on dietary context, vary widely in their ability to make that conversion. So that's why I think it's so important to regularly consume, and the research supports this, wild fatty fish, which is rich in docosahexaenoic acid or DHA fat, which is one of the primary and most important structural building blocks of the brain. We also know that the brain endures stress as it ages. We all do, right? There's a certain, I mean, you're an expert on this and, and I'm sure you've talked about this many, many times on your podcast, but some degree of stress is inevitable mm -hmm. as we get older. And it's good for you, a level and, of stress. It's good stress yeah. and bad stress, yeah. Well said, yeah. But when, with regard to the bad stress, sometimes we can't get rid of the bad stress. And so it's, it's important to supply our brains with protector molecules that can help shield your brain against what's called oxidative stress, which is instigated by, by stress, by, by external stress. 
in many cases. And so compounds like vitamin E, vitamin E is one of the most important fat soluble antioxidants that you'll find in the food supply. Wherever you find fats that can potentially be used to build your brain, you'll also find in nature vitamin E. Like almonds are a great a great source. Grass-fed and finished beef is a great source of vitamin E. Avocados are a wonderful source of vitamin E. We know that higher vitamin E consumption is related to better cognitive health, lower risk of, of cognitive decline. And there was even a very hopeful study that was published a couple of years ago, probably in, in 2017, that found that high-dose vitamin E, about 2,000 international units a day, improved functional capacity in patients with Alzheimer's disease, which was, which was a very shocking trial because the humble vitamin E, the fact that a, a vitamin, something so cheap and easily accessed, could, could actually have a measurable impact on, on brain function in that population was just striking. So seek out foods that are high in vitamin E, carotenoids like lutein and zeaxanthin, foods like dark leafy greens, kale in particular, avocados, egg yolks. These are all such important brain foods. And there are foods that are staples in the Mediterranean dietary pattern, which we know is associated with reduced risk of Alzheimer's disease, of cardiovascular disease. So happy to unpack any of those of, of those various lifestyle factors, Dr. Leaf, but, and, and, to, and to go into greater detail, but that's just, I think, a starting place. Well, Max, I think the way that you put that together so eloquently, I love how you explain it all. You gave us a really great overview and some basic principles, which is basic points about the vitamin C and the vitamin, the vitamin E and the vitamin uh, and the, the, the omegas and DHEA. The DHA, this is, these are so vital. And, and you know, we know about these, but you put it into a very concise way of incorporating that into our lifestyle. I love how you explain just the fact that stress is going to happen. And sometimes, you know, the talk while you're managing your toxic stress, which is, it takes time. You do need a boost, you know, you do need to give the physical brain, which is trying to work through all the mind issues, because the mind is, well, the mind is using the brain. It's really important that we just, you know, give it a bit of help. So when you talk about, I like, that's what, what I think I like most about your approach is that you're not trying to say this is the only way, that it's not just a diet thing. You're saying that in the midst of life, these, you, you can ravage elements of your brain function. And here's how you can try and mitigate that. And I love that. And, and I love the fact that you brought up neuroplasticity, my wheelhouse. I did some of the first research in the 80s when I was told the brain couldn't change. And I questioned my neurology professor. And you talk about neurologists saying, hey, that can't be the truth. And, you know, this, our brain can change. And we can, we can play a role in the effectiveness of that change and direct that change. So what I like about your new book, what I love about your new book, is how you've actually now taken all this incredible knowledge that, we need lots of time to unpack and don't have enough time to unpack because we need about 10 hours, which we'll keep doing some more interviews. You've now made this user-friendly. So for someone to think, oh my gosh, okay, I've heard this before and, and this is why I want to transition away from the individual items. I mean, individual things like vitamin E and which people need to understand, but not everyone is going to go and study that. They're going to hear the few basic things you say, but if it's not going to be easy to implement in their lifestyle, well, then it's nice to know knowledge. What I would love people to do is to actually transition into a lifestyle change, which is what you help people do. You are now providing recipes that put all that stuff together. So when you're eating like that, I don't have to think, okay, what did Max say about this? What do I need to do there? What is that? I need to, where do I find this? Which, which health shop? What, how much? It's so overwhelming. You can now eat your way to brain protection, literally, which is a concept that's not new, but you do have a lovely way of, and a very scientific evidence-based way, which I appreciate of putting this whole story together. So tell us about your book. 
Yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to food, that's really where the rubber meets the road. And I happen to be a nerd for micronutrients and I can talk about vitamin E until the cows come home, but you're absolutely right. And that most people, they just want to know what to eat, right? And me too. You and I could have hours of discussion about these things and neuroplasticity and stuff, but I want to make sure people start doing Yeah. So, I mean, one of the greatest tips that I can offer people is to shop around the perimeter of the supermarket. All supermarkets are designed the same way, which is actually really funny. But that you on the perimeter of the supermarket is where you find all the the perishable fresh food. It's in the aisles where you find what's called ultra processed, shelf stable, packaged processed foods. And you really want to maximize the amount of fresh perishable food that you consume and minimize the amount of ultra processed foods that you consume. Unfortunately, Dr. Leaf, today, 60% of the calories that your average American is consuming come from ultra processed foods. And these foods, the problem with them, the primary problem with ultra processed foods is that they drive their own overconsumption. By the time you've filled yourself up eating those kinds of foods, you've already overeaten them. There was a study that was published by the NIH in 2018 that found that when given unlimited access to ultra processed foods, again, these are the kinds of foods that you find in the aisles for the most part of your supermarket, as opposed to around the perimeter, that people tend to eat themselves into a calorie surplus of about 500 calories a day. And 500 calories a day might not seem like a lot, but if you eat 500 calories a day every day for a week, that's a pound of fat gain. That's that's an additional pound of fat being stored on your hips, waistline, And we know that as your waistline in particular grows, your brain shrinks. And that's because your adipocytes, your fat tissue, especially visceral fat, the fat that we accumulate around our waistline, is an an endocrine organ. It secretes hormones that promote inflammation in the body. And this negatively affects the memory center of the brain, that vulnerable memory processing center called the hippocampus. So... As best as you can, you want to shop around the perimeter of the supermarket and you want to optimize for whole plants and properly sourced animal products. I am very passionate about communicating the value of both of those categories of food. So whether we're talking about grass-finished beef or pastured eggs or free-range chicken or wild fatty fish... These all provide very important nutrients that are plug and play with regard to brain health. So animals, I mean, we are animals, right? So when we consume animal products, they contain nutrients that are highly bioavailable. They're very easy for our bodies to assimilate and integrate. That's not the case for plant nutrients. We've co-evolved with plants, certainly, and we've had to adapt a way to integrate the nutrients that we ingest when we consume plants. But as I mentioned with regard to omega-3s, that our ability to do that differs from person to person. So if you really want to make sure that you're getting the most bang for your buck and you're not leaving anything open to chance, that you are really optimizing your consumption of animal products, which provide, again, the building blocks that we know that our brains need, like omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3 fatty acids from animal products are about 10 times, I believe, as bioavailable as those from plants. But those aren't the only nutrients. We know that other nutrients that are that that tend to be under-consumed today, which are very relevant to brain health, like zinc, vitamin B12, iron, are most also mo- most bioavailable when they come in animal products. An egg yolk, just to just to use an egg as an example, 
I actually consider egg yolks to be a cognitive multivitamin. So a multivitamin. I totally love them for the brain. Yeah, it's one of the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the best. Loaded with a compound called choline. It's actually no secret, no, no surprise that egg yolks have a lot of cholesterol in them because so too does your brain. 25% of the cholesterol in your body is, is stored in your brain. And I'm not saying that you need to eat dietary cholesterol for brain health. You, you certainly don't. But it's just no wonder that when an embryo is developing, the nervous system is the first structure to assemble. And so nature has literally packaged an egg yolk with everything required to grow and sustain a healthy brain. Mm-hmm. Perfect net protein usability as well. Your NPU of an egg is, and it contains the, it contains a whole balanced way of, of fighting the bad cholesterol. I mean, within the egg is just so much, and there's so many products like that, but eggs will really take the cake when it comes to brain food. I don't want to interrupt you, but I want to ask you so that people understand you're not saying not to eat vegetables because you'll have the whole, you know, there's the, that's, you are saying to eat both, but you just keep putting yes. the benefits of, because some people that listen are definitely vegetarian and vegan. And would want to know how they're going to, you know, how they're going to get what their body needs and their brain needs. So I just want to yes. accommodate because they are different. Obviously, there's no one way of eating. Absolutely. It's so no. by individual. Yes, I'm, I'm glad that you asked. So, yeah, I just to just to underscore italicize. Yes, I absolutely am I'm very much pro pro plants. I'm pro both. I'm not you know, I'm I think that when you cut out a such a large food group and particularly a food group that our ancestors no doubt integrated into their diets during the time in which our brains evolved, you're going to see consequences of that. We know that vitamin B12 is, is only found in animal products. Right. And that's a that's an important piece of information. There's a, a problem with the, the, the field of nutrition in general, and it's actually called nutritionism. And it's this tendency to try to break down food into its essential nutrients to, to try to figure out exactly what we think that we need to sustain life. And I think it's a, that's a form of reductionism that doesn't always lead to the best outcomes. But so, so that's why I think whole food, we've evolved with whole foods. With regard to plants, we know that we know that plants are a great source of dietary fiber, which helps feed gut bacteria, which is very important, right? Our the gut brain axis is incredibly important. We're starting to see now in the in the scientific literature. And one of the one of the best ways to keep your gut bacteria happy is to consume on a regular basis a wide and diverse array of plant fibers. So from that axis, I think dark leafy greens are a wonderful brain food. In fact, research out of Rush University. Dr. Leaf has shown us that people who eat a large bowl of dark leafy greens every day have brains that perform up to 11 years younger. I'll say it again. It's, this, this is something that everybody should do. Just eat a, eat a big salad every day. It's, it's a great rule or guideline to set for oneself. And in that salad, integrate healthful fats like extra virgin olive oil, which is powerfully anti-inflammatory. It's actually a fresh fruit juice because olives are a fruit. That's a lovely way of putting it, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never thought of it like that. Yeah. I love it olive oil. It's on everything. We put it on everything. <laughs> so. It's it's a phenomenal yeah. brain food. We've mm-hmm. seen, I mean, there are so many different kinds of studies that have that, that continue over and over again to reaffirm what a powerful brain food extra virgin olive oil is. It's great for our cardiovascular systems. It's, it's, it's crucially important and a, and a crucially important staple in the Mediterranean dietary pattern. And it also unlocks a world of nutrition from our vegetables because dark leafy greens, for example, they contain protector molecules like lutein and zeaxanthin, which are only absorbed in our body when in the presence of fat. And dark leafy greens don't contain any fat, right? So if you're eating a salad with a fat-free dressing, 
some of the most important compounds in those greens are just going right through you. We all know that sleep is so important for our mental and physical health. It helps clean up the brain and get us ready for the day next day, so we can give our best at home, school or work. However, getting a good night's rest can be a challenge. This is why I love Ned's best-selling sleep blend, which new and improved recipe offers an even greater night's sleep. Ned remains committed to making all of their products more simple and effective, and they've done just that with their new sleep blend. This new formulation blends CBN, a powerful cannabinoid that promotes sleep, with 700 milligrams of USDA-certified organic CBD from the purest single-source hemp flower extracts and organic and wild-crafted botanicals traditionally used for sleep. The new sleep blend has 24% more sleep-inducing botanicals by weight than the previous version. And it's Ned's birthday month. If you'd like to give their new and improved sleep blend a try, Cleaning up the mental mess listeners get 21% off with the code Dr. Leaf for the month of March only. It's their best offer of the year. Visit helloned.com forward slash Dr. Leaf to get access. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash Dr. Leaf to get 21% off. The link and details will be in the show notes. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's just these, see, it's these logical things that are logical to you and I because we understand the field and you even more because it's even more your field. But I, I'm looking at you and, and I know you're what, 30, what are you, 28, 30? How old are you? No, thank you. I'm actually, I'm four months from being 40. Okay, thank you. So we both gave each other a nice compliment there. So I didn't realize that you were that young. Okay, so you basically have got a lot of experience in this field, but both of us have got a very good understanding of from both our perspective fields of the importance of eating healthy. And so in in your book, your recipe book, so people can take all these components because I don't want to people to walk away, as I said earlier on, with thinking, how do I get all this into my diet? So you've given mm. some brilliant principles about you know how to shop and to make sure you have a salad every day and add the olive oil, which is such a simple thing. And then you get that nutrition that you need from that breaks down the, the parts of, of the kale that our body, for example, can't eat and so on. So in your recipe book, you said at the beginning that you've got some really super easy ways of bringing all these components to the party. So could we could we sort of transition to that as a final question of how do they what what about the is this whole how to hold up the book to show us the book yes. and how does this I left mine in Miami. I wish I had it here, but I'm so excited to go back and try out all the recipes. I had a look at it and then we flew back here and I forgot to put it in my case. I don't know how that happened, but I'm, I've got this so I can go and do all these things. So tell us about the recipes in there and how they could be incorporated into a daily lifestyle. Yeah. So I, well, one thing that's really important that I want people to know about Genius Kitchen, and by the way, I should mention that I am a little self-conscious that this is the first time I've ever been on the cover of a book. It's super cute though. I love it. I think it's great. I love that. Well, thank you, Dr. Leaf. I'm, I'm, I'm blushing. Yeah, I'm very, very proud of it. But, but one thing that, that makes Genius Kitchen unique is that it's not just a cookbook. So it's actually, it's a two-part book. You get two books in one, essentially. The, the back half of the book is the 100-plus recipes that I've devised that each integrate a different brain food, which I, I've called genius foods. So whether it's grass-fed beef or wild salmon, or we have a whole bunch of plant-based recipes, which are very delicious in the book as well. Lots of diversity. You've got those recipes in the book, but also the, the first half of the book is actually a resource guide. So it's a kitchen and wellness guide that breaks apart every single food component from dairy to salt to 
meat to plants to fruit to nuts, all broken down to really help people get a, a solid understanding of not just nutrition science, but what to buy and for what reasons. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so it breaks everything down really, really simply in a really easy to understand way, how to eat for better brain health and better mental health. But it also is not dogmatic. So, you know, I live, for example, Dr. Leaf, in, in Los Angeles. I have access to really wonderful supermarkets. It's very easy for me to go and find grass-finished beef, pristine beef that comes from humane farms. But we can't let perfect be the enemy of the good. And so... For people that don't have that kind of access, I make it really easy and I don't, there's no food shaming in the book. Thank there's, you. That's so good. And, and I, I knew you were going to say that, but I wanted you to say it. So thank you. So, carry on. Of course, even a, even a conventional egg is a, is a brain health superfood and, a, and even, even, even grain finished beef, right? Like I, I, I would never promote the factory farm system, but I still have to concede that grain finished beef is still a much better option for dinner and, and, a, and still a very nutrient dense food, particularly when compared to what most Americans seemingly are eating for dinner, boxed mac and cheese or frozen dinners or fried dishes. So so it breaks all of that down in a, in a no dogma way. It helps it helps preserve and enhance people's the joy that people feel with, when eating because food is a way that we celebrate. It's a way that we communicate. It's a way that we express love. And so the book is really a celebration of that while also bringing into the fold all this really empowering nu nu nutrition information. I'm super excited. And the recipes are all very very easy to make. You know, I learned how to cook on the job, and over the past decade, I've become a very very good cook. I'm very grateful, and, and I've I've learned a lot of really invaluable tools. And so I share those in the book along with ways to improve digestion. Because here's the thing, Dr. Leaf, if you're not digesting your food properly, you're, you're, A, you're, you're not getting the most bang for your buck. You're shortchanging the ability of your food to have a neuroprotective effect. So digestion is everything. It, it's, it's really where the rubber meets the road in terms of reaping all of the benefits of all of these wonderful genius foods. So yeah, it's, it really is a, a sort of multi-purpose comprehensive book. If we want to be healthier mentally and physically, one of the best things we can possibly do is get several hours of quality sleep every night. The brain and body heal itself when we sleep. It really is one of the most amazing processes, even if you're not conscious when it happens. But I know it's hard to get good quality sleep sometimes. Your mind keeps you awake, life is stressful, and there are often a hundred anxious reasons why you can't fall asleep at night. Thankfully, there are also ways we can improve our sleep quality and overall health, including taking magnesium. Believe it or not, around 75% of people don't have enough magnesium. No wonder so many people have sleep problems. But please do not run to the store to buy the first magnesium supplement you find. Most magnesium supplements use only the two cheapest synthetic forms, and since they're not full spectrum, they won't support better sleeping habits. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming, sleep-enhancing effects. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by BioOptimizers. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed and you'll be amazed at how much better you sleep and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to www.magbreakthrough.com forward slash leaf and use Dr. Leaf 10 during checkout to save 10% on your order. The link and details will be in the show notes. That's fantastic. So the, you, you're providing 
what what the food source is, what it does for you, breaking it down, plus you giving the digestion of the food and then how to actually call you should say the ingredients, the recipes, and then how to make sure they go into your body. I mean, it's it's fantastic. It's a trio that can only but help a per- person to really change their lifestyle. And then the whole fun side of it and the whole mind side comes into it and you're making it easy because it's very confusing. The whole world of books of, I mean, how to eat is, is a very confusing world. One day this is right and the next day that's right and then this is wrong. And then it's really overwhelming for the majority of people. So wherever we can streamline and make it simple, and as so pleased you brought up the point of food shaming because some people will not have the funds or the access to the grass-fed and farm-to-table stuff, and it's they're going to have to make do with whatever's available, and so we have to be aware of that. So your book can, does provide that, the recipes and things like that can provide for absolutely. whatever you can get your hands on, basically. What, absolutely, whatever you can get your hands on. I mean, so some of the cheapest cuts of beef, for example, that you'll find in the supermarket are tough, right? They're, so that, So that's what makes them inexpensive, but all it takes is a little bit of culinary know-how, which I share in the book, to make that those cuts very delicious and 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 butter soft. I mean, for example, brisket is one of the cheapest cuts of meat, but it's but if you know how to cook it properly, that's what makes brisket this like incredible soft fall apart, at, you know, with your fork meat product. Whole animal consumption. So when you, you know, economize and buy like for example, a whole piece of poultry, a whole chicken and you break down the the chicken. Most people just don't know how to cook, for example, a chicken drumstick properly, which is one of the cheapest parts of the chicken that you can buy. It's actually much more nutrient dense too than chicken breast, for example. A lot of people spend a lot of money these days on collagen supplements, right? Because collagen can enhance the way that our skin, our hair, hair and our nails look. Well, chicken drumsticks or, or any load-bearing part of an animal is going to contain four times the collagen as leaner parts of the chicken. So for example, a chicken drumstick has four times the collagen as compared to chicken breast. So it's a, it's a very nutrient-dense food, really supportive of, of our health in many ways. And the issue is that most people don't not simply don't know how to cook it, right? Because a chicken leg is 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 very tendinous. It's got a lot of connective tissue in it. But if you cook it low and slow over a lower heat, but for a longer period of time, all of that collagen melts down and becomes gelatin, which is super delicious, super healthful, and yields a dish that's going to be better than any any restaurant chicken dish. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've eaten out in a restaurant, and the chicken is served to me. And while it's cooked appropriately for food safety, it's just undercooked, and it's not it's it, it doesn't fall off the bone the way good quality cooked chicken should. So. I provide all of the all of that sort of information in the book, even for no, the most novice cook. And you know, I just want to add, Doctor Leaf, that cooking at home, even before we get started talking about nutrition and the various food components, cooking at home, knowing how to cook, is one of the most important tools to leverage for better health. Studies show that people who eat at home more, as opposed to eat, eating out, have healthier BMI, so they have lower risk of obesity. They have a healthy body, healthier body fat percentage. They have better cardiometabolic health. We know from research that cooking at home, especially with friends and loved ones, leads to better family dynamics, right? Because it's something that it's a it's a sign of love. Again, you know, a, a, as I mentioned, and so it really is an incredible tool. And yet, unfortunately, culinary literacy, like health literacy, like Financial literacy is just one more aspect of what it, I think it really means to be human that we've outsourced in the I in love the modern that you brought world. that up. Learning how to cook and just making that part of your lifestyle is really important because, you, as you, for all the reasons that you just said, well, I have 
three daughters and a son and they all love cooking and they cook way better than me. So I've reached a stage in my life where my adult children spoil me rotten with, you know, like, why would I cook? And I've got, not they all don't all live with me. There's always someone visiting. So very seldom they have to cook and they all apply these principles. So Max, thank you once again for another great book and for sharing your wisdom and getting us excited about dinner. I'd like thinking, I mean, what am I going to make now? Is it going to be that omelet and that salad with lots of olive oil? What is it going to be? But you've motivated me once I'm finished all my interviews to go and make a really good dinner with my family. So thank you. Always good seeing you. Always good chatting to you. And I look forward to the next time. Thank you so much, Dr. Leaf. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.